please open up your Bibles, turn them on somehow, something, and you can or, or follow along on the screen as Brandy reads our passage today. Brandy? After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her like a measurement of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the, of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls, for in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. And all shipmasters and seafaring men Sailors and all whose trade is on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. Then a mighty angel took up like a stone, a great millstone, and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence, and will be found no more. In the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeteers, will be heard in you no more. 
and a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more, and the light of a lamp will shine in you no more, and the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of prophets and saints, and of all who have been slain on the earth. Father, today we ask you to send your Holy Spirit to be our teacher. We thank you for the reading of your word, and I pray right now for other churches and pastors who are standing today to preach your word. I'd ask God that you would do a work in their churches and that you would save people today. God, we'd ask that you would do that in our midst today, for it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen. Amen. Uh, I had Brandy read, so her time doesn't go against mine. I get a fresh, fresh start here. Uh, you know, cities uh, have identities. I grew up in a little town just outside of Dallas, Texas. So when you live near, you know, much like here, you, you would say you're from Nashville area. If you're somewhere else in the area, they may not know Walter Hill or Christiana, but they'll know Nashville. Well, I'm, I'm from the Dallas, Texas area. And Dallas, at the time that I was growing up, had, a, had an identity. For those of you who are uh, familiar with it? You, you've heard of JR? Well, JR kind of set the identity for us. You had the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, you had glass. You had new and shiny, kind of a boom town was what it was called. But then we had a twin city. Uh, Dallas did. It was called Fort Worth. It is still called Fort Worth. And Fort Worth had the real Cowboys, because it's where the West really began. You had Longhorns, you had cattle sales, you had rodeos, and all those kinds of things. Nashville's got a, an identity. You know, it's music. It's Music City. Really, it's also known for country music, the Grand Ole Opry. Uh, it's vibey. It's, every, it's an it city today is what we're told. You think about New York, New York City, New York, the city that never sleeps, the capital of the world. When I lived in Europe, the only place anybody ever wanted to know had I been was New York City, uh, the capital of the world, uh, finance, high rolling, L.A. L.A. is known, you know, it, it, it's uh, Hollywood, it's glamorous, it's famous uh, you know, Las Vegas, you get the idea. Sin City. I mean, listen, identities, cities have them. Well, Herodotus, who was a Greek historian, he writes and says that uh, Babylon was the greatest city of the day. It was the greatest city of the day. It, it reached its peak under Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar II. Uh, under and, and at that, that time, I think it had already been around nearly 2,000 years. Uh, under Nebuchadnezzar, there were, you know, he expanded and enlarged the city greatly. He had many, many conquests. The treasuries of uh, Nebuchadnezzar were filled with gold. Uh, all of the things that we just read about were in abundance. In fact, when he overthrew Jerusalem, all of the, the treasuries of the temple of God were taken back. So he had all of those. The walls of, of Babylon were great. They, uh, Herodotus tells us that there were 56 miles of walls, 56 miles of walls around Babylon. They were so large that four horse-drawn chariots could race around the top of the, the wall. 
Do you catch that? That's how thick, how large these walls were. There was a moat, Herodotus tells us, that went all the way around the the outer of the walls. It was fed by the Euphrates River. Uh, At one point, the Euphrates went under the wall and ran through the middle of the city of Babylon. Herodotus writes about how in 539 BC, there was a great king called Cyrus the Great. If you're reading in Isaiah, Isaiah 44 and 45, uh, uh, the, the prophet Isaiah calls that Cyrus, he quotes, is a quote, Cyrus will be his instrument, God's instrument against Nebuchadnezzar, against Babylon. It says that in 530, 539, Herodotus writes that upstream of the Uh, Cyrus and his armies diverted the river Euphrates. They diverted it. They attacked Babylon at night on one of their great festival nights. They were able to walk into Babylon through the Euphrates, where it once was, under the wall, knee-deep water. And while they were singing and dancing, while they were drinking, while they were having a great celebration, a huge party on one of their festival nights, Babylon fell in one night, like a thief who came in the night. As you begin to see all throughout Scripture uh, in the Old Testament, Babylon was a literal city, and it became known, though, as a byword for the enemies of God. As you begin to look at in Jeremiah, in Isaiah, and in Ezekiel, the language that Brandy just read to us, that chapter, you see it all through the Old Testament as God's enemies, the, Israel, uh, the, the enemies of Israel, Edom, Tyre, Sidon, Babylon, they were all, they all fell As you move into the New Testament, specifically as you move into the New Testament, speaking about Revelation, you know that as we've been reading through and teaching through uh, our series, the book of Revelation is symbolic language. It is uh, very much metaphorical. So what we're seeing here in Babylon, do you remember last week as we talked about there was the great prostitute, the great pot prostitute who was a pawn of the scarlet beast? Uh, she was, Revelation 17, she, her name was Babylon, the mother of all abominations. You see, what Babylon came to be uh, representative of is anything, anyone, any philosophy or doctrine that was anti what God's word had to say, that stood it against, that, that seduced the people of God, that seduces us, the people of God, away from what God's word says and his standard, uh, it's all about causing us to walk away or to keep us from who God is. Listen, when Brandy was reading just a minute ago, you read all through there, or you heard, hopefully you read as you followed along, that God's promise to destroy Babylon, one of the reasons he said he was going to destroy her was because of her sexual immorality. Well, in Revelation and all throughout uh, the, the Old Testament, whenever you read sexual immorality, it's not just talking about sexual immorality. That is one piece of it. It is, also, it is encompassing spiritual idolatry. Uh, you, you realize that all throughout the scripture, uh, sex is deemed as good. God created sex. It was meant to be between one man, one woman married for a lifetime. That's how he has set this up. And marriage 
is a picture of God and his church and his bride, of Jesus and his church. Uh, The reason we get married is so that we can represent as followers of Christ that relationship. It is a gospel relationship. So anywhere in scripture where you see uh, a prophet or in Revelation, it's talking about the spiritual, uh, or excuse me, the sexual immorality of the people. It's a byline. It's a code word. It's for spiritual idolatry, for spiritual idolatry. Well, That's how we have the prostitute, the prostitute who comes to seduce us, the prostitute who comes to try to drag us away, the prostitute who promises life to us. You know, listen, here at LifePoint, we talk about often finding life and living sin. We would say true life is only found in Jesus Christ. You know what the prostitute does? She lies to us to say, life is found in me. Listen, if you come into my brothel, There'll be money galore. You'll be fine. You'll have all your needs met. You you won't have to worry about a thing, but it's a lie. If you come into her brothel, she says, you can have sex however you want, with whoever you want, however you desire. It is a lie. It will bring death. She would tell you that, listen, looking at images on a screen, clicking on a clickbait, to send you somewhere else. Listen, it doesn't hurt anyone. Listen, it's only between you and a screen. It's a lie. It brings death to intimacy between you and any relationship. You see, the prostitute is seducing us and has been seducing us and will continue to seduce us. One, to drag the church, true believers, away. Number two, for those who do not follow Christ, whatever it takes to keep you from surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. The prostitute is not just sexual. It's also uh, philosophies and doctrines of men and governments today. So that you might think, I'll be fine if I just follow what they say. If I'm just a good citizen, if I don't rock the boat, I need you to know Babylon will leave you empty. Babylon will leave you wasted and worn. It is not life, but it is death that comes for those who follow after, after her, who are being seduced by her. So with that, I want us to read through. In fact, I'm, let me rephrase that. I'm going to run through. If you've got a Bible, you need to have it open, a pen, a paper, uh, I would even encourage you this week, you might want to go back and uh, follow up with this message and watch it again and listen to it again because there is so much and I'm so excited about what it is that the Lord, I believe, has begun to show and let me be able to see and how he's been dealing in my own life. There's two points today. There are two points that you're going to see. Number one is this, is Babylon falls. Number one, Babylon falls. And then number two, Christians are to flee. Christians are to flee. Look at verse two, verse two of the passage. Well, really, why don't we just start at verse one? Verse one says there's a mighty angel that comes. That mighty angel comes down from heaven with great authority and in a bright light of glory begins to yell out in verse two, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. 
Now, in this passage that Brandy read just a minute ago, I believe there's five different places where Babylon is called great. It's trying to make us understand how great Babylon is. Well, I want you to begin to hear, you're going to see how great our God is and what he does to Babylon. He is greater than Babylon. Yet we, many times, we're so seduced by it that we think nothing could be greater than where I am right here today. I need you to hear, I want you to hear that Babylon is fallen. Why has it fallen? Well, look at verse two real quick. It says that she's become a dwelling place for demons. Every unclean spirit is there. Every unclean bird is there. Think vulture, buzzard, death. It says that they're a hunt, they're a haunt for every unclean, detestable beast. Verse three tells us this, that all of the nations have drunk the drink that she holds in her hand. Do you remember in 17, it says that, she, that in her hand was a golden cup and it was full of the abominations, full of her abominations. It says that every king, all of the nations have drunk this wine, this wine, the passion of her sexual immorality. Keep looking. It says the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. That goes back to last week. Revelation 7 verse 2 talks about how the kings, it goes on and it talks about there the kings, the merchants, and all of the mariners, those who are seafaring. He He lays out, these three lay out that the entire world has fallen under the spell of Babylon. Folks, listen, today the spirit of Babylon is alive and well here in Middle Tennessee. You realize that the spirit of Babylon is alive and well in Washington, D.C. You realize the spirit of Babylon is alive and well in New York, in Moscow, in Beijing, in Tokyo, in wherever, wherever The challenge to the word of God as it being the eternal truth of God, the inerrant word of God, that it is better than, it is better. Whatever she is yelling and calling and coaxing and seducing us towards, that is the spirit of Babylon. That is the spirit of Babylon. Yet the scripture tells us that she herself has fallen three different times with the kings, with the mariners, with the merchants. It says that they weep and they wail for her. They see, they weep and they wail for her. Listen, they're not sad about the people. What they're sad about is their livelihood and their lifestyle going away. Look with me, if you will, in verse, uh, in, look, at, look at verse four or excuse me, verse three. It says that all the kings have committed immorality with her. All the kings, the reason they're in power today was because of Babylon. Did you realize that Babylon exported the beliefs? They were the great. They were the mighty. In fact, it goes on to tell us that they were so great and so mighty that all of the merchants began to bring all of their wares. Did you notice all of the wares that the, that, that came in. Look at verse 13. I believe it's in verse 13. I want you to see that. In verse 13, verse 11, 12, uh, 12, 11, 12, and 13, the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since why? No one buys their cargo. You see, this has become economic for them. The kings, they're losing their power. They're losing their influence because Babylon has given it to them. The merchants, no one buys their cargo. Cargo of precious jewels, of textiles, of building supplies. You see those? 
ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, marble, uh, of spices and food. It goes on a long list of those things. Of war, things that are a part of war and defense, horses and chariots and slaves. Do you notice what it says there about slaves? It, It says, that is human souls. Because slaves were the ones who did most of the battle. They did most of the work. Yes, there were great armies. Uh, Herodotus will also tell us that it is estimated that over half of the population of Babylon in the day in which it was overthrown were slaves. And did you realize that today, a a huge, I want to make sure I'm clear on this, a huge philosophy, a huge calling out of Babylon is that there is no sanctity of life. This is why believers everywhere, we stand for the right to life. From the moment of conception to pre-birth to after a child is born, this is, why we, this is why people go to abortion clinics to stand and try to help talk people out. This is why at those abortion clinics, they stand and they encourage these ladies, listen, we'll stand with you. We're not just asking you not to murder the baby, we'll stand with you. It's why we are involved in adoption. It's why we're involved in foster care. It's why that we stand against, uh, though we stand against the sin of homosexuality and lesbianism. I need you to hear me. We stand against people abusing them because they are made in the image of God. Listen, we're always gonna be about the ethic of Jesus Christ and, uh, and the scripture sexual ethic, that there is one man, one woman for life. But I need you to hear, if you or your family member is struggling with homosexuality, transgenderism, lesbianism, I want you to hear, this is where I want you. Because I want us to walk with you. I want us to love you. We're going to always stand up for the image of God in every individual. We're going to talk about his ethic, the spiritual, the sexual ethic of God. He created sex. His way is best. But I need you also to know that it's not just that. This is why we're going to always preach against adultery. This is why we're going to talk about your money and the way that God causes us to use our money. This is how we're going to talk about how we use our relationships and our time. Because Babylon has doctrines and philosophies that they're screaming out to you. How will you use your time? They're seducing you, and it does bless you, and it doesn't line up with what God has to say. We line up with His Word. I was talking to somebody a little while ago about people today who are deconstructing their faith, and this is a, sorry, Rob, this wasn't in the first, deconstructing their faith, and I want you to hear, I want to say this to you. You I, sometimes I get way too simple. I realize that the, the issues are much deeper. It, uh, deconstructing your faith is never about this being wrong. It's always about my sin. And I get so deep into my sin that I no longer evaluate my lifestyle according to Scripture. I begin to evaluate Scripture according to my lifestyle. This is why I always tell you, and I want you to hear me, we bring our lives under the Word of God. We submit our lives to his word, okay? We submit our lives to him because Babylon is calling out to you and trying to seduce you. 
Babylon is trying to keep you. Listen, uh, we've got, an, we got opportunities here. You're either going to attach yourself to the prostitute who is Babylon, or you're gonna be attached to the bride who is his church. You get to decide that. Who is it that you're gonna follow? You get to decide, am I gonna live in Babylon, or am I on a greater journey, an exodus to the new Jerusalem? And you know what? There is a great prostitute who is calling out to you. Proverbs says, it's the wily woman who stands at the roadway, the byway, and says, come in here, come in here, because my fruit is sweet. I need you to hear, it is death. It is death. She wants to destroy us by how we use our money. Did you notice uh, the merchants? They were upset because their livelihood was gone. Do you know that the mariners, it says that they are upset now because they look and they see her, the city, burning. Do you remember last week how the kings, excuse me, how the beast, the, the scarlet beast and the kings, they were gonna turn on the prostitute and it said they were gonna burn her down with fire. Here, what we see is Babylon is fallen. Babylon's fallen. She is gone. And today, how fast did she go? Three different times. It says that she went in a single day. She went in a single hour. That means a very, very short time. And so today, this very moment, I'm not Isaiah, I'm not uh, Jeremiah, I'm not Ezekiel, but I'm calling you to come out of Babylon today. Come out. She wants to destroy you. Not just you, your family. Come out of her. Come out of her. Notice what happens in verse 21. Notice what it talks about in verse 21 there. In verse 21, what we read is this. Verse 21 says, then a mighty angel took up a great stone, took up a stone like a great millstone, a great millstone. A millstone was a stone that was used to grind wheat, to make flour. It was used in the making of olive oil. They would take the olives and they would grind and move that millstone around. It says that they took that millstone. He says, then I saw a mighty angel who took that millstone and they cast it into the ocean, into the sea. Look at what it says. So will Babylon, like the great city, be thrown down with violence. This is a direct picture of Jeremiah 51, 63, where Jeremiah has stood and has proclaimed the word of God, and God said, I want you to take the scroll now, the words that you've written, I want you to roll it up, I want you to tie it to a stone, I want you to throw it into the Euphrates, and that is to let, the, let the, all of the people know that I am coming and I'm going to destroy this city. You see, in 44 and 45, he said, I'm sending Cyrus, the great Persian king, he's coming. He's going to be my tool. He's going to overthrow Babylon. Babylon's going, what? We're the great city. Six different times. We're the great city. Nothing can ever happen to me. 
Nothing can happen to us. We're the smart. Listen, they had a, Babylon had a great mathematics college. They had a great architectural college. One of the seven wonders, ancient wonders of the world, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. I had the opportunity not to see the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. That would have been a long time ago. But I, when I went to a museum, uh, it's called the Pergamum Museum in Ber- Berlin. When you go to the Pergamum Museum, one of the very first things you do, you come out and you turn down a hallway. Whoa. And they have the Ishtar Gate completely re. And when I say refurbished, I mean like somebody has taken it down and brought it from those days. Unbelievable. This place was incredible. Nothing's going to destroy Babylon. Listen, I'm not excited about my heart breaks for what happened at 9-11, but who would have ever, ever thought that two planes in the blink of an eye, a world comes crashing down. It says in one hour, in one day, like a thief in the night, today I call you to, listen, wake up, wake up. Babylon, the prostitute, is seducing every one of us. It's through media, it's through social media, it's through music, it's through the government philosophies that are coming down that if you will just trust in us. Folks, I call you today, I call you today to come out of Babylon. Notice what happens in verses 21. Six different times, there's a phrase, and will be found no more, and will be found no more, and will be found no more. Notice what what those things are. One, it says the great city will be thrown down with violence. It says the sound of harpists and musicians and flute players and trumpeters. Listen, this is literally the day the music died. It's no more. No more. It says the music is gone. The craftsmen of any craft will be found no more. The sound of the mill, the builders, the craftsmen, the musicians. It says that all of the celebration will be gone. The voice of the bridegroom and the bride, the relationships are fractured and gone. Babylon has fallen. I stand here today to you to call out to you and say, listen, Babylon's fallen. The prostitute, she's calling you And she's saying, life is found here. Everything you want is sweet to the taste. But I'm calling you today. Listen, here's what I want else I'm going to call you to real quick. I don't want you, listen, I do not want you to be afraid of what Babylon can do to you. You know what I want you to be afraid of and be worried of and concerned about is what Babylon will do in you. What it will do in you. Because when Babylon sinks her hands into you, it's very difficult to walk out. The only way we walk out is by the power of Jesus, by saying, God, you've opened my eyes, and I trust, and I'm following you today. I sacrifice whatever it takes to follow you today. Look at verse 20. I want to back up to verse 20 here. 
Verse 20 says this, and this is something to notice here. Verse 20 says, rejoice over her, O heaven. Who is O heaven? God's people. He says, rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her, for you against her. This would have been joy to the ears of of John's hearers. Remember, if it didn't mean something then, it can't mean something today. So what it meant then, remember John's writing and he's saying, there's hope, there's hope, there's hope in the midst of what you're facing in ancient Turkey, the ancient East, what you're facing, you seven churches, you can make it, you can stand strong. It may cost you, but you can stand strong. I'm going to avenge you. Do you remember in Revelation 6, during the uh, seven seal judgments, seal number five, seal number five was all about the martyrs who were under the altar. Do you remember us talking about that? If you don't, I want you to go back and I want you to listen to that message. In fact, if you've not been following along, go back and start at the beginning so that this all begins to make sense. Revelation chapter six, the, sixth, the, the, the fifth seal, the, the martyrs under the, uh, under the altar, how long, God, how long? When will you avenge our death? Not take revenge, when will you avenge our death? And he says, just a little longer, just a little longer. Chapter 18 comes, and this is not vindictiveness, this is vindication, God has now come and said, listen, did you notice what he said about her? Did you notice what he said about her? Go back over, turn back over in, in uh, at the, at, let's see where, what passage it is. I want to make sure that you see it. Verse six, verse six, he says this. He says, for her sins are heaped high. Her sins are heaped high. He says that uh, pay her back as she herself has paid back others. Repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion in her, in the cup that she has mixed. Remember chapter 17? In her cup, there was the blood of the martyrs, the saints. So give her, verse seven, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. He's come to repay Babylon. Folks, I need you to hear me. If you are a follower of Jesus today and you're thinking, I don't know, I don't know if I can make it. I don't, listen, all of the things that are coming at me, no matter what, maybe it's financial, maybe it's economic, maybe it's job, maybe it's, maybe it's family, maybe it's disease, maybe it's uh, cancer, coronavirus, I don't know. I need you to hear me. There's a day when all wrongs will be made right. If for whatever you've stood and you've received reviling, you've received persecution for the name of Christ, it will be made right. I also want you to know, because of the brokenness of the world, because of sin, all wrongs will be made right only for those who have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ. If you have attached yourself to Babylon, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. Uh, you, I, I'm, I'm gonna jump in here. Boy, I'm, I'm getting a little excited here. Let me slow down. You realize that the abyss and hell was created for the dragon, the deceiver, the liar. Before the foundation of the world, it was created for him. 
It's created for him. But I need you to know that if you attach yourself to him, you will get what he gets. This is why I stand here each week and I cry out to you and I say, come to Jesus. His portion is greater than anything you're dealing with today, anything that you want today, anything that you have today, the seduction that she calls you to, he is greater. But I also need you to know that when you come to him, I get heaven, you get heaven because he got the cross and I've attached myself to Jesus. I've surrendered and submitted to him. And because of that now, I get heaven, though I don't deserve it. Come out of her. Come out of her. Which leads to the second thing quickly is this, is that Babylon has fallen. Christians, we're calling you to flee. I'm calling you to flee. What are you fleeing? What is it that you're running away from? You're running away from Babylon. You're running away from the seduction of the prostitute. Well, what does that look like today? Well, let me tell you a few things of what it looks like. Let me tell you a few things of what it is. It's communism, it's Marxism, it's Hinduism, it's Buddhism, it's Islam, it's consumerism, it's capitalism, it's socialism. It's critical theory of any kind. It's homosexuality, it's transgenderism, it's Republican, it's Democrat, it's Libertarian. Yes, it's all of this and more because anything that stands against the word of God, as wonderful as you think that it is, if it is not lining up with the word of God, in totality, there is a spirit of Babylon in that. It is the desire to want to take this man, this person, this party, this philosophy, and say, they're going to save me. Republican, Democrat, Libertarian, the president of the, of the university, I don't care who it is. I need you to know the only person who saves you is Jesus Christ. That's it. The president of your university, the president of your country is not going to stand with you when you have to lose your job because you have bought in to Babylon. Jesus is the one who says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So I'm asking you to flee out. Verse four, look at verse four with me now. Then I heard another voice from heaven. The first voice yelled out, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. This voice yells out, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. Do you remember the plagues? The plagues were the seven bowls of wrath that have now been poured out. He says, come out of her. Three times in Jeremiah 52. In, in Jeremiah 29, he tells those who are in uh, captivity in Babylon. He says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to set up shop. Build homes, plant vineyards, pray for the peace of the city, pray that the prosperity of the city, because when it prospers, you prosper. You plant in there. By the time you get to Jeremiah 52, uh, Jeremiah has called out now three different times, and he says, you got to flee Babylon, because Babylon is going to fall. Today, you go, well, which is it? Do I flee, or do I pray for the prosperity of the city? Yes. Yes, that's what you do. I'm not calling you to run 
to wherever the hills are. I'm not calling you to be a, a monk. I'm not calling you to a life of monasticism. I'm calling you to flee the seduction of the prostitute, the one who wants to steal, to kill, and destroy you, the one who has fallen. Listen, you know what the great thing is? You're being told her ways are falling. They're going to burn. So don't attach over there. You come out of her. Come out of her. Flee, Christians. Flee. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, Paul urged Christians to not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Guys, ladies, I don't care how good looking they are. I don't care how desperate you are. Just because they're the only one biting on the line does not mean you have to reel them in. Come out of Babylon. You find someone who is walking with Jesus. And I hear me say, walking with Jesus. They're not saying I follow Christ, I'm a Christian. Their life says, no, I know him. I know him. Like Israel today, folks, like Israel today, you're living in exile. You're in Babylon. For some of you, it's like you're living back in Egypt. You're in slavery, slavery and bondage. And I need you to know, you're on a greater exodus today. Uh, our God the great deliverer is leading us to the promised land, the new Jerusalem. And here's what I don't want for you. Some of you today, you are like the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt. You're wanting to turn back and go back to Egypt because you know that lifestyle and you enjoy it. And you're going, I just don't know if the journey's worth it. I need you to hear, hang on, come out of her. Some of you today, you're like Lot's wife. Do you remember when, when the angel of the Lord came and said, Lot, you got to go. You got to get up. You got to walk out. You got to get out of here. He took all of his family. He left. And Lot's wife, for some reason, longed for Sodom more than she longed for a new land. And when she looked back, she turned to a pillar of salt. Some of you today are going, Kyle, I, I, what do you what do you what are you telling me? You're calling me to flee? What do I do? Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said that if you're my follower, you want the way of flourishing, then you need to be salt and light. He called us to be salt and light. He didn't call us to, to, to like leave Israel. To, you're to be in the, John 17, John 17, Jesus prayed for his disciples. He said, look, God, I'm, I'm not asking that you remove them. I'm asking that you protect them in the middle of this. This is not about isolation. This is about insulation. You know that ice cube you put in your Yeti that stays there for like weeks? Listen, he's calling you and me to come out of Babylon, not physically leave, but to reject her ways because we have the power to stand strong because of the Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we don't know that. You know why? Because we've never stood up long enough to see, will he be great for me? Today, in these next days, there's going to need to be some Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who stand up and when the, when the fiery furnace comes. Fire is all about judgment in, in the scripture. And I need you to hear me. Fire will be coming soon. 
I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like for you. But it's coming for you. And the question is, is do you love your lifestyle more than you love the Lord? Did you realize, did you notice in all of these passages about the, the, the kings, the merchants, and the mariners? Did you notice that all of it dealt with economics? They weren't, they weren't upset because the city was gone. They were upset because their power was gone. Their merchandise was gone. The way that I make money is gone. My lifestyle has changed forever. I see it burning down, and I'm upset because it's going to change. Folks, you know what the spirit of Babylon is for us today, I believe? Part of it is that we get so attached to our way of life that when we're seduced by the beast, by the prostitute, it becomes, man, this is going to cause me to change my lifestyle. How far can I compromise and still stay where I am? Not very far. Not very far. You know, let me bring this on down a little bit more about what it means to, what does the spirit of Babylon looks like? It looks like you can have it all today. It looks like, go ahead, get into debt. You deserve it. Listen, they've got it. They got the new boat, the new jet ski, the new camper. They are doing these vacations. Yeah, you deserve that. You do it. You get on it. You live your best life now. I just fell out of love. This click will bring me every amount of stress relief and fulfillment I've ever desired. Be a good citizen by today's standards. Just say the right thing. Be quiet. Don't rock the boat. Just keep your beliefs to yourself. It's calling what is wrong, right, and what is right, wrong. And that's coming to all of our doorsteps. It's already here. And the question is, is do we believe that Babylon is fallen? It doesn't say will fall. It says is fallen. It's done. Christ has already won this war. Everybody right here with me. I need you to hear me. Today, you may be thinking, dude, you like just unloaded. No, I'm not upset. I'm not angry. You know what I am? This is urgent. This is life for you and your family. And I need you to know, he's already won. We're walking around worried about what is going to happen and what could happen. Here's what I know. And I, I promise you this. He will provide for you. If you have to make a financial decision, which I hope you do, to break us free of the lifestyle and the livelihood that we want and get to the one that God desires for us. Do you know that some of us can't even be generous? I'm not even talking about like tithing. I'm talking like somebody in my family needs help. I don't even have the money to help them because if I help them, that means I have to put off over here. I may not be able to if I just have more money. You know what my experience is? Is that the more money you get, the more money you want. Lifestyle always moves. Livelihood always moves. And I need you to hear, in the United States, the spirit of Babylon is, is I need more. I want more. They got, I want to keep up here. I want to do this. I need you to hear. 
It's a deception. And the only way, the only way to break greed like that, number one is to ask God to do it. And when he, when he shows you the way out, you take it. But in a very practical way, the way you break greed is to give. So you become a giver. You become generous. You help those who, are in, who need help. You give. You tithe. Listen, you do relationships different than everyone else does relationships. Uh, get your emotions off your sleeve. Quit getting so angry and upset about all kinds of stuff that mean nothing. Husbands and wives, that's to you mainly. <laughs> Be forgiving. Be kind. Be gentle-hearted. Be lovers of peace. I wasn't going to read this, but it's just the Word of God. Probably my favorite passage. I have it in, I have it in the Word, but then I have it in the Word written. Titus chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities and to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of our God, of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Come out of Babylon. Flee. She's fallen. She is done. Father, I'm asking you today, would you save people? Father, I'm asking that you would forgive me for going over. I'm asking God that today you would do what only you can do in this room. And Father, I'm asking that you would purify your body, your bride, you would make us spotless and white. Father, that we wouldn't love the things of this world, but we would love you. I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the, the opportunity. Your word is what changes people. And so today I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that you would do what only you can do through the reading of your word, through the preaching of your word, through the singing of your word. Would you call Christians to flee. I'm asking that you would call those of us in here who do not know you as Lord and Savior, if there's someone in here, that you would bring them from death to life today, that you would save them. And it's in the name of Jesus I ask these things. Amen.